The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? Uh, the room is different cookie cutter mm -hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to The Room Minute. The podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room. One minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, oh, hi, listeners. We're here actually to talk about minute 86 of The Room, in which Johnny realizes that fight went nowhere and comes back for more. We start with Lisa and Mark dancing, and then Johnny returns from chair and alcohol storage, presumably boozed up and ready to fight again. I would like to comment before we get to the specifics that from Johnny's arrival through the fight, we have at least seven different camera setups in seven different directions. In this kind of chaos, it's okay to break the 180 degree rule, but the blocking of where Mark and Lisa are standing is also changed from shot to shot. <laughs> and it's really annoying. <laughs> It's like, I finally figured out the geography of this room. Don't fuck with it now. Hmm. Are you allowed to put that as the title? or are you? Are you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hi, Luke. Oh, hi, Robert. Yeah, so we start with Johnny coming in, because, you know, Lisa and Mark are... I was going to say grinding on each other, but that's not the way they're dancing. They're just dancing really close. It's slow dancing. If it is supposed to be that Johnny is drunk, then his walk is actually pretty convincing. Well, I'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, he... Tommy was so was basically done for the day they were still filming because they were near the end i guess he wanted to get this party scene done so they kept shooting but he shouldn't have been still shooting so johnny says what are, what are you, you doing? doing lisa says none, none of your business, business. yet uh, i think for the last time you're, you're my, my future, future wife, wife. What, what are you, are you doing, doing lisa? lisa mark jumps in now he's standing up for his relationship leave her alone oh, man. she doesn't want to talk to you and Johnny hits first. You know, he's definitely boozed up because he just goes in for the, the hits him in the chest. Is, since when, when do you give, give me orders? orders? And Mark tells him since Lisa changed her mind about you. About you. Huh. Wake, Wake up, up, man. What, what planet, planet are you, are you on? on? We get uh, the, you know, they, they, I don't know how you describe the fight that's about to begin. It's a lot of pushing and grabbing. It's not much hitting. But Johnny tells him, I, I think, think you should leave right now, Mark. Lisa says, don't, don't spoil, spoil it. it. We, we were just having fun. You know, Lisa's trying to calm things down. She's taking control. Then Mark says, don't worry about it, man. He's trying to calm things down. And Johnny escalates things with more violence. So, yeah. He definitely went into the other room and got drunk. And he says, don't, don't touch, touch me, motherfucker. motherfucker. Get, Get out. out. And, you know, Mark loses this fight. I think we decided he won the previous one. But this one, he ends up on the ground. He might have won the battle, but he hasn't won the war. Yeah. I don't even know why I said that. That doesn't even work. <laughs> It sounded clever in my head. At this point, it works, because we don't know that at the end, Lisa and Mark are mad at each other, or Mark's mad at Lisa. But I, I commented last episode about the music. Yeah. It's weird here. Whenever the fight scene comes up when I'm on like my shuffle or whatever, I don't think the room. <laughs> like I don't know what I think it is, because <laughs> it doesn't feel... There's another weird track, and I can't remember what it's called, and I don't think it takes place here. But there's another track on the soundtrack that just doesn't feel like any of the rest of... I wonder why. Because um, they had one composer who did all the music after the movie was done. So, uh, I don't know. I know what it is. It's the Happy Birthday Johnny track that seems so different. Oh, more of the party. Yeah. 
I had this stands with, with copyright infringement, but at least for your benefit, I'm going to play this into the microphone. Okay. Okay. be different i think it's because it's supposed to be ambient it's not supposed to be score it's supposed to be what's playing at the party to be honest i don't think i even noticed it in the film it's only whenever it right you just played that and i'm like i've never heard that before yeah. uh, so if that's in the scene at the party i didn't notice that and this fight scene because i've also got some of the instrumentals from buffy on my phone this fight hmm. scene i genuinely get mixed up with some of the instrumentals from buffy when <laughs> on my, well that's my good playlist yeah it's a good sign lisa says stop it again that's all she can do in this scene. Stop it! Stop it! Alone. And Lisa you two are acting, acting like, like children. children. But she's right. You know, they're just pushing each other. It's not a real fight. And Mark gets up off the ground and calls Johnny a son, son of a bitch. bitch. I don't think it's over. Lisa says you're going to the party. And this is where Mark says that line you brought up last time. If you keep your girl satisfied, she will come to me. And I love that uh, Denny is grabbing Johnny's arm. Mm-hmm. In my notes, I'm like, he thinks he can hold Johnny back when he's boozed up. Please. And then Johnny takes off his jacket. I'm like, oh shit, it's about to get real. Now, here is where I wanted to reference the disaster artist, the book. Okay. That's also the line that I thought was a good delivery was get out of my house. Get out of my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are the only deliveries that he has? Yeah, he takes off his jacket says, get out of my house. I kill you. His grammar's a little off, but his delivery is good. Hmm. Of course, they have two fights, and Greg says, you know, why not just have one confrontation? I have no idea. The final film, Tommy separates these two nearly identical moments with a supremely nonsensical establishing shot of a San Francisco skyscraper. I've never known Tommy to drink or use drugs, but he did take a lot of legitimately prescribed medication, gobble a lot of vitamins, and chuggle Red Bull around the clock. Consequently, despite his nocturnal schedule, there's sometimes a point at the end of the day where Tommy simply stops functioning. A lot of fans over the years have seen Sleepwalker Tommy at midnight screenings and assumed he's wasted, but he's not. Rather, his brain has simply called it quits for the day and turned over all vital operations to his central nervous system. That's the condition he was in right now. Byron, who is, uh, I think technically is a stagehand, but he's kind of taken over directing at this point, was demanding that Tommy show him something more during our confrontation. A punch, say, or something resembling a punch. But that wasn't working at all. Tommy kept pulling up handfuls of emotional sand. 
Not even when Tommy and I started fighting did he come to life. Not until the days I set the line, what planet are you on? What planet are you on? Take after take, Tommy would be somnolent and drooling, but at hearing this line, he whipped off his sport coat with fire in his eyes. This wasn't an ad lib. Tommy wrote the line, but I think hearing me say those words set off a long, painful chain of memories in Tommy's mind. Memories about his childhood, and I suspect much else. It's one of only a couple of moments of the film where Tommy's artistry, such as it is, becomes honest. Do you think this is where the whole thing about... What's it called? It, there, there was a thing about the Tommy Wiseau planet thing that he has. What's it called? Oh, it's this company, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you think there's some sort of subliminal link between that? Maybe, yeah. Like, he's on his own planet, and it, it's always been like an insult. He was kind of... In making it his logo, he was kind of claiming it. Yeah, embracing. But because he's weird and has a strange accent, people always probably said things about him. And in this moment, it works, because when he takes off his jacket, and he's he's taking it seriously. Is it? I buy it. Well, we, we, we've said before a few things about, you know, how little we know about Tommy's past. Yeah. Has anyone come out at all to say that they knew Tommy when he was younger? Well, not that I've seen, but I know in Roomful of Spoons... The director did interview his family. How on earth did they, he manage to track them down? I don't know. I haven't seen Room Full of Spoons because it never got properly released. Yet. So I assume that means his real surname and everything is all known? Uh, yes, although I don't know that one. Because I know Wiseau is what he made up. And so is Tommy. His name is most likely Pierre. Well, Wiseau is something like the French for bird, isn't it? Yeah. Or close to it. You should definitely try, if you try to get in touch with the guy who did Room Full of Spoons. I tried once. Uh, he doesn't use his social media very much. I should see if, he could, if I can find him on IMDb. Phone number now. Mm. With IMDb Pro. Yeah, because if he's on IMDb Pro, then you can call him and all of that. Yeah. But also, pro- possibly even get access to a copy of the film from him, right? That would be cool to watch it. I mean, it, it's not even challenged legally anymore. It just doesn't have a distributor. Because Tommy lost his court case against the guy. Because you'd think there'd be a distributor somewhere, right? Yes, but for like a documentary with a niche audience, it needs to go to a festival to get the right distributor. And Mm. it couldn't get in festivals for a few years because the threat of a lawsuit meant they didn't want it. So it could go to one now, but right now, there's no festivals. Film festival audiences are definitely the right people to see that film. Yeah, and people who have seen it say it's great and... I think I even know a uh, movie by Minute Person that has interviewed him for some other podcast. I think it's safe to assume that most of the... Have you read The Disaster Artist? I, you haven't. I right? have it, and I started reading it, and then it's one of those oh, where okay. I... It happens a lot. I start reading a book, and then I forget I've been reading it, and then I don't Me too, yeah. It. But I liked it, about halfway. But Disaster Artist, I assume most of Greg's invented history of Tommy is accurate mm. or close to it. He just didn't want to say it was because then Tommy might have disputed it. And so, like, the guy Pierre, like, goes to New Orleans and ends up in San Francisco and slowly makes his way to having his own business. Mm. Fits. And Tommy had less problems with the film version than with the book, right? Yeah. Well, at that point, he's embraced all of the attention, so I don't think he cares anymore. But, yeah, the film doesn't say anything particularly bad about him. It doesn't present him as the nicest guy, but everyone knows that. Yeah, he probably takes him not being presented as nice on set as to them treating him like he's Kubrick or something. Right, exactly. Because normally directors can get away with it. He might still not know that some of his directing choices were wrong hmm. because people go and watch the room and cheer. For example, my, my I, I, I should follow up my comment about uh, directors getting away with stuff by saying that if anyone wants to work with me, I'm not a horrible director. <laughs> yeah, we've had some people that were in your films on uh, 
Two minutes about time, so yeah. Yeah, they didn't try and get away from me. <laughs> or you just beaten them down so much that they just like, yeah, I'll, fine, I'll be on your show. Just leave me alone. Where were we? Don't spoil where we were just having fun. Don't worry about a man. Oh, Lisa, again, let's stop it. Stop it. Leave my girl alone. We were somewhere down here. Uh, about five seconds from the end of the movie. Oh, takes off his jacket. Get, get out, out of my house. house. I, I kill, kill you. I bring him to because, you know, she doesn't have a meaningful dialogue here. Johnny says, I kill, I kill you, you bastard. bastard. And Mark just has to get in. He, he's, he's got one more at the end about falling off the earth. As far as I'm concerned, you could drop off the earth. That's a promise. But, you know, he, he's got to get some bad lines. I think Tommy was smart to give Mark some of the worst lines of the film. Yeah. Because you couldn't kill me if you tried. It's really silly in this moment. Yeah. The line itself is okay, but it just doesn't fit this moment. Because Mark can't do shit. He just got knocked down <laughs> yeah. twice. And it wasn't even just like a, a, a light fall back or whatever. That was a full-on like slam and slide into mm-hmm. the door. Yeah. yeah. Just face it, Mark. You're losing. <laughs> Notes for midnight screening. I think I've only got a few in this minute. At the beginning of this minute, there is an extra who looks like she's talking to herself or talking to no one in the background. I imagine because she's looking downward, she's actually talking to Denny, and he has somehow been sitting on the floor again, even though we just saw him talking to Steven a minute ago. Denny does weird things. But she just starts talking to someone, and there's no one there. It's pretty good. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm just watching it now. Yeah. Someone's like, look at the extra talking to herself in the background, and everyone who hasn't seen her before just starts laughing. So you get a lot of good joy in this moment in the audience. When they start fighting, you get, fight, scene, two, fight, scene, two. That's a good callback to, you know, sex scene mm-hmm. chanting. I, I, I liked, in one of the Midnight Screening videos I watched, I'm pretty sure they started chanting sex scene, like, eight or nine at the point where, like, Mark kisses the top of Tommy's head at the end. Nice. They might, I don't know, I'm not there yet in my notes. I know when they were wrestling out in the grass at the park after they're jogging and throwing the football, people were chanting, like, sex scene five, sex scene five, mm-hmm. or whatever sex scene number it was at that point, I forget. Yeah, it's a, it's a good joke. When uh, Lisa says, don't spoil it, we were just having fun. I'm not sure I quite get this, but someone in the audience is like, you always have fun. Like, uh, I mean, the whole sex scene, fight scene joke gag is kind of loosely like what we talked about a year ago uh, about Rule of 33, that it probably starts funny, gets a bit boring, and then becomes funny again. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Please Be Seated Monty Python specials. <laughs> I've been re-listening to them, and it's 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 led to me really noticing about Either how I've improved editing or how much editing you put into <laughs> two minutes about time. Because there are so many long pauses in the Monty Python specials. Yeah. For for your future editing, you need to... I don't remember what program you use, but see if it has a truncate silence function. I, I will. Because that is handy. You can just make all of the silence drop down to like five half a second or a second or whatever you want it to be. I just started noticing recently that on my software, whenever I cut the audio... It does a very quick, I think it was like a hundred millisecond, fade out and then fade back in. And it's fine, you don't notice it. But I started to notice it in this editing thing I was doing because, I don't know, it's one of those where as soon as you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Yes. And you can't get rid of it. I, I, I made it down to one millisecond, so I'm sure no one will notice it. But you can't put it to zero, which is weird. Hmm. Speaking of editing, what other shows, where can the listeners hear you? Well, over December... I'll be doing a Love Actually podcast. I don't know what it's called. I haven't figured out how many days it is or anything like that. But in a similar vein to what was done with... So with, with Sean Christopher did with Christmas Vacation Days. 
we're doing that with Love Actually, and that's just look, cutting it down into the days it takes place, taking a look at it. Should be good fun. A nice chance to just talk about Love Actually, because although often ridiculed and joked about, I think it's genuinely a pretty decent film. And also, at some point, Lame Is, which will be probably next year or whatever. At the moment, the working title is Minutes of the House, and that'll be Lame Is 2.4601 Minutes at a Time. Yes. And obviously we talked about Two Minutes About Time, which is available on all social media at Two Minutes About Time, our Facebook group, The Cupboard, on IMDb as well. They can find all of the stuff I do, admittedly except Please Be Seated, I should add, on IMDb. I'm just Luke Allen on IMDb. I think I come up as Luke Allen Director the 16th Minute. Or Luke Allen the Cody UK. I'm on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero, Instagram the Ginger Luke, and Facebook at Luke Allen Film. It was so weird to do that out of order. <laughs> yeah. But you, you did it. But it's nothing wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening, and remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!